This Money Wise podcast is underwritten in part by InspireInsight.com. Do your investments reinforce your biblical values or contradict them? Don't be unaware. Visit InspireInsight.com to instantly screen your stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs for alignment with your biblical values and to find God-glorifying replacements with strong performance potential. Best of all, it's free at InspireInsight.com. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Hi, I'm Rob West. That verse, Ecclesiastes 11.6, tells us the importance of diligence. Today, I'll give you some ways you can be diligent with and take full advantage of your IRA. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, so the first way you can be diligent about your IRA is to make a very basic decision, traditional versus Roth. Money contributed to a traditional IRA goes in pre-taxed, meaning you can deduct that amount from your adjusted gross income at tax time. Money going into a Roth IRA, of course, is after-tax, meaning you can't deduct it. Later in life, when you withdraw those funds, you're taxed on your traditional IRA contributions and earnings, but your withdrawals from a Roth account are tax-free. And because of that, a lot of folks automatically assume that a Roth IRA is better. Well, don't make that assumption. The Roth is only the better option if you expect that your retirement income will actually be more than you're making now. And generally, that means the Roth is better for younger investors. It's better to pay the tax on those contributions now rather than later when they may be in a higher tax bracket. But at a certain stage in your working life, your expected retirement income will be less than you're making at that point. That makes the traditional IRA a better option for older investors who will pay taxes on their withdrawals later when they expect to be in a lower tax bracket. So when you're deciding between a traditional or Roth IRA, you have to ask, on the day I retire, am I likely to be making more or less than right now? Now, I realize that may be a difficult question to answer, especially for folks in the middle of their working years. But there's an easy solution. If you can't decide, do both. Ecclesiastes 11.2 even tells us of the need to diversify our holdings. It reads, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on the earth. If you can't decide between a traditional or Roth IRA, open both and split the maximum contribution between the two. That way, you'll have a taxable and non-taxable income stream in retirement, another great way to diversify. Another way to be diligent with your IRA is paying attention to when you make your contributions. The IRS allows you to make them all the way up to tax day, April 15th, and still have them apply to the prior tax year. But doing that means you'll lose up to 15 months when your contributions could be making compound earnings. 
Now, why would someone do that year after year? Well, for example, it might seem to make sense for folks who expect an annual bonus at the end of the year. They wait for it and then use it for IRA contributions after the first of the year, maybe even waiting until the April 15th deadline. Other folks might just procrastinate, again, waiting for the deadline before acting. Well, it's far better to make consistent contributions to your IRA all through the year, which, again, will give your holdings more time for compound earnings. If you're expecting a year-end bonus, adjust your budget so you can contribute that amount through the year instead of waiting. You can also be diligent about contributing the maximum allowed amount to your IRA. That's 6000 a year or 7000 if you're 50 or older. Uh, but did you know that some people can actually double that amount? IRA contributions must be made from earned income, but what if you have a non-working spouse? Well, you can open another IRA in the spouse's name and again, contribute the maximum amount as long as you, the working spouse, make enough to equal the combined maximum of $12,000 or 14000 if you're both over 50. And that could actually be a better option than maxing out your contributions to a company 401k if it's loaded with fees and has few investing options. Another way to be diligent with your IRA is to start investing early. The key there, let compound earnings work for you. Be diligent and systematic in your contributions to your IRA, either traditional or Roth, and start as early as possible. By the way, even students with earned income can start them at the youngest of ages. Don't miss that opportunity. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Money Wise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. We'll be right back. Stick around. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-day devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries enables believers to show love for one another by sharing each other's health costs. Through CHM's voluntary health cost sharing programs, members uplift each other spiritually and financially. CHM is an eligible option under the Affordable Care Act and a Better Business Bureau accredited charity. Interested? Learn more by calling 800 791 6225 or online at chministries.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions today. We've got calls all stacked up, so let's head right back to the phones. To Chicago we go next. Kathy, thank you for your call. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, good to speak to you. Um, I have a question. Um, my mother passed away um, back in January, and um, we just sold her house. There's 10 children, and I'm wondering what it is we need to do when in terms of you know, um, tax responsibility or anything. Is that something that would be handled um, at tax time? Or is, someone mentioned something about a K-1 form and mm. things like that. And 
So I'm. Yeah. uh, Did you inherit this property in joint tenancy with your 10 siblings or how did that work? Yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything is split 10 ways. Okay. Uh, And so you've already, the the title, the deed to the property was transferred into joint tenancy with the siblings prior to the sale? Into the trust. Oh, into a trust. Okay. Yeah. Uh All right. And then it was liquidated inside the trust and then it's going to be distributed? Correct. Okay. Uh, Yeah. You know, you, I mean, typically what happens here is so inheritances are not considered income for federal tax purposes, no matter how you inherit it. uh, But any subsequent earnings on the inherited assets are taxable um, unless it comes from a tax free source. So, uh, you know, as the, at the date of death, the cost basis was stepped up and then it was liquidated into the trust. At that point, uh, there would be, you know, any capital gains would be do at that point based on a profit that would have been realized from the date of death to the time it was sold if there was any appreciation that occurred in that time and that would need to be paid um you know typically prior to those funds being distributed but uh they would typically be done at tax time i think given though all the moving parts here kathy of what's taken place i'd probably go ahead and reach out to a tax preparer if you don't already have one to look over this tell you exactly how it needs to be done uh just to make sure that all the tax are paid on a timely basis. Very good. Okay. All right. right. Thank you for your help. You're welcome, Kathy. And thanks for your call today. God bless you. Uh, Brainerd, Minnesota, I should say. Patricia, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. My husband and I are planning to buy I-bonds, one for each of us. And I am wondering what is the best way to title the ownership of those bonds in order to cover the beneficiary? Uh, yes. So when you register the bond at purchase, that determines uh, who owns the bonds. And then at that point, you have the ability to add the beneficiary um which you can do uh, as a part of the title of the bond itself. Uh, so you would uh, typically register the ownership in your names, respectively, followed the, by the words payable on death too, and then name your beneficiary. It has to be a person, not an organization. So that would be done at the time you create the account uh, if you're looking to add that POD. Otherwise, you would just register it in your name alone and then your will and the probate process would govern, you know, how that's passed if one of you were to pass away. Mm-hmm. Okay, that answers my question. Thank you. Oh, okay, Patricia, thanks for your call today. God bless you. Uh, Macedonia, Ohio, Leon, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hey, um, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. So my question pertains to uh, specifically biblical admonitions towards long-term savings most if not all of the specific biblical verses directed towards savings as far as i can tell are are towards uh short term savings you know, several years not this kind of multi decade retirement fund type of um saving that you know um you you would do so you could flesh out um some of the verses or the the reasoning behind um, being a good steward in terms of specifically a, a retirement savings. 
Yeah, I'd be delighted to. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, clearly the book of Proverbs is where we would typically go as we think about investing, uh, you know, King Solomon's wisdom here, which is, you know, God's wisdom uh, around why it's wise to save. I mean, several verses come to mind kind of at the outset. Uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty: the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man devours what he has. Uh, you know, Proverbs twenty one five: the plans of the diligent lead to advantage, but everyone who's hasty comes to poverty. We see Proverbs 6, 8. Uh, we see the, uh, you know, the qualities of the diligent ant as it gathers food for the future. And we can obviously say that's, you know, for a time beyond the current. So therefore, we conclude that a portion of what God gives us today is not to be consumed, but it's wise to set it aside. And if we marry that up with First Timothy, that we're to provide for our families, then we would say, you know, wisdom would constitute us recognizing there will likely come a day where we are unable to provide because either we're simply unable to work or God redirects us. And so uh, we need to then set aside for the future. But the key, though, is, and this is where we would clearly differ from the world's perspective on retirement, which is just the mindless accumulation of wealth. So we can, you know, pick up shells on the beach or sit on the front porch and nothing wrong with those two endeavors, as long as we recognize that leisure is a part of God's rhythm, but his calling on our life never expires. And so I think we need to uh, approach this idea of retirement entirely differently because the modern concept of retirement is not found in God's Word. And we need to answer this question that I think each of us has to answer, Leon, which is perhaps what you're getting at, how much is enough? Uh, you know, there's the famous question that was uh, asked to John D. Rockefeller, uh, one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. He was uh, asked how much is enough one time, and you may have heard that he then quoted, well, just a little bit more. And, you know, his words, I think, are a reminder of the truth that those who live for money will never be satisfied. And we see that theme clearly uh, throughout Scripture. And we need to be very careful because there was clear warnings in Ecclesiastes and James against hoarding. Uh, Jesus warned against selfishly hoarding uh, in the parable of the rich fool. And he said, you know, to the rich fool, uh, you know, you, he called him a fool and he said, you know, this is what's going to happen for those of you who are not rich toward God. And so if we store up earthly treasures, that's clearly warned against in the council of scripture. So how do we marry these concepts of being a wise steward and saving for the future? Because that's clearly presented as wise and being on our guard against every form of greed. And, uh, you know, this idea of the rich fool who was just trying to take everything God gave him and put it into earthly possessions. And then the bigger narrative throughout Scripture about generosity, which is that, you know, our primary objective here on earth, as uh, Paul David Tripp likes to say in his book, Redeeming Money, is not about first providing for my family, but it's about entering God's generosity story. That's really the greater opportunity. And I think the answer to that is, I can't answer that for you, and you can't answer that for me. We've got to be on our knees, fully surrendered, saying, God, this is all yours. How much should I use to live for myself? Uh, how much is enough to save for the future, both in terms of lifestyle and accumulation? How much should I put back into circulation in your kingdom? Not when I die, but today. 
And we've got to wrestle through that and live in the tension of that. And through prayer and through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, I think we all each have to decide that and answer it for ourselves. Uh, Do this. I'd love your thoughts on that. If you don't mind sticking around, I've got to hit a break, but I want to hear what you think uh, just related to what I just said. We'll be right back on Money Wise. Stay with us. Sometimes you just need a little guidance to help point you in the right direction. In 300 feet, turn right. If you're feeling lost when it comes to your finances, we're here to help. You can connect with a trained MoneyWise coach absolutely free. A MoneyWise coach can help you build a personal budget, develop a plan to knock out your debt, and more. Visit MoneyWise.org slash connect. That's MoneyWise.org slash connect. Investing is more than just returns. It's an expression of who you are and what you value. Does the way you invest your money reflect your identity as a Christian? At Eventide, we design investments for performance and a better world, so you can invest with a confidence to reach your financial goals while remaining true to your Christian values and commitments. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More is available at investeventide.com. That's investeventide.com. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. 800-525-7000. You know, when we want to know God's heart related to something, we go back to His Word and we don't just pull a verse out and a verse you know, here and there, we look at the counsel of Scripture and we say, as we take it all in, and that's systematic theology, and then apply it to the very specific outworkings of the things that relate to doctrine, but also uh, just our everyday lives, I think we can form conclusions that ultimately each of us have to develop convictions around and wrestle through. And uh, Leon, just before the break, raised this question about how, from a biblical standpoint, should we be thinking about long-term savings vis-a-vis not rainy day funds for emergencies, but longer term for retirement, especially alongside kind of how our culture approaches accumulation for the long term. Uh, I shared some of my thoughts, Leon. Give me uh, your follow-up. Well, I think one of the things I've been wrestling with is the tension of um, uh, knowing that we could do as a family better towards fully funding our target retirement and um, you know, the spontaneous or, you know, extraordinary, more expensive generosity in the moment. Yeah. Um, for us, it's a little bit harder because we're both actually self-employed. And so we don't, you know, we're not funding through a automatic kind of, um, uh, it's, it's like a budgeted set aside item that we have to, um, uh, make instead of, uh, something that's being, and I realize that there's, that we're funding it into a, you know, a Roth IRA and a, and a account, but it's not unlike an employer uh, salary. It's not happening automatically. So um, I don't want to be yeah. caught in this kind of, uh, you know, at the end of my life uh, have or, or towards, you know, the final decades of my life um, trying to liquidate funds, even if it is towards generosity and giving uh, and, and kind of this race to give away a large sum of money and then having looked back 
and thought about the opportunities that I would have had um, yeah. in the earlier decades. And, and it is intention and it's, it's difficult and it's something I have to deal with uh, daily uh, before God. So that's those. Well, I think you're in a good place, Leon, to be wrestling with this, because I think that's right where we all should be, living in that tension, recognizing God may lead us to do something extraordinary. You know, I, I think of uh, the late Bill Bright, uh, one of the most compelling kingdom visionaries there was, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. I mean, there was more than once that he uh, and Vonette decided to give away an entire retirement account. Uh, I think in one case to fund a school in Russia that would, you know, train uh, children and lead them to Christ. And so, you know, God does things like that from time to time. And I think that's uh, ultimately uh, found when we're on our knees, surrendered to what he has for us, listening uh, to what he's called us to, to, and living in this tension of recognizing that saving money for the future is wise. There's clearly in Scripture, uh, you know, admonition around that, uh, even for the long term. When we think about Ecclesiastes and invest in seven ventures, yes, and eight. I mean, that sounds a lot like defer, diversifying our long-term investments in Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents, and at, at least give indication to that as well. But also recognizing that it takes discipline, self-control, uh, being on our guard against greed. Uh, you know, we have a tendency, I think, in this country to uh, take the American dream and try to redeem greed in the name of it. And we've got to be careful uh, with that. And this working out of our money is one of the primary training grounds of the heart. And so don't miss that opportunity to lean into that and, you know, ask God what he has for you, even if from the world standpoint, that might look radical. Uh, I'd love for you to check back in with us as you uh, decide uh, how you're going to approach this in the days ahead. God bless you, my friend. Hey, Josephine, Rob West, how can I help? Appreciate you taking my call. Um, sure. Uh, I had a question um, about uh, my retire- retirement coming up. Uh, I retired in 2025, and um, I recently got a scare with my investment in my 401k, and I panicked and took took it out like mm-hmm. I shouldn't have. <laughs> I now know, but um, yeah. I put it in a, just a regular savings account in my bank, and it was like $44,000 is what I got after they took the 10% federal taxes out of it. They didn't penalize me because I am a retirement yeah. age. Uh, I'm still working, though. I see. Um, and I was wondering what to do with the money now that I took it out. And I didn't know what you thought about annuities. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of annuities. Um, How long ago did you pull it out? Two or three weeks ago. (laughs) Okay. What I would have said to you if you would have called me, uh, Josephine, and told me what was going on, I would have said, let's leave it there. Let's let it come back. Um, You know, how long are you planning to continue to work? Well, I was hoping to go to part-time, but I was going to try to retire like at 65 and nine months. (laughs) Okay, and were you planning on using drawing an income from this, or were you? Do you think you can build your budget around Social Security or whatever else you have coming in? Yeah, I think I can build my income around that because my husband has a check coming in, and together we can yeah. make it. You know, okay. I don't think I'm going to yeah, need it. I think from that standpoint, if if you have the option, I'd probably put it back. But I think this market will recover sometime next year, and that would give you an opportunity to get a little more conservative. Um, but 
but after the recovery, um, you would miss the taxes. You'd keep it in a tax-deferred environment because the benefit here is that this can keep growing until, you know, age 72 when you'll have to start taking a required minimum. But, you know, you could keep it invested to try to outpace inflation. The challenge right now is in, in cash, it's losing purchasing power. Um, and I'd, I'd love for this to keep growing. So, you know, I think those are, you know, kind of the key ideas. Otherwise, yeah, you could do an annuity. Um, I don't love them because they're expensive and complicated and you kind of tie up your money. Um, but so I would have recommend for you probably once this recovers, go to more like a 30% stock, 70% fixed income type portfolio that's going to throw off a good income, give you a little bit of growth over time with the stocks, maybe you know, make it not so volatile like it's been, um, you know, to this point. Uh, so if we hit another kind of bear market like this, you wouldn't have the quite a bit as down much downside as you've experienced to this point. But I would have said, let's let it recover before you do that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take care. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Well, before we run today, I want to ask you about how you think about money. Do you control how you spend it, save it, and give it, or does it seem to control you? Well, every day we talk about what the Bible has to say about money and how important it is to have a plan for how we manage it. If you haven't already done so, let me recommend that you check out the free MoneyWise app and let it help you get started on building a plan and working that plan so you control your money rather than it controlling you. You can find links to it on our website at moneywise.org. I'm Rob West. Many thanks to our amazing broadcast team and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time right here on MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.